1987, American pop culture was invaded by a sarcastic, furry, cat-eating alien. We are the Deep Geeks, and Elf is back, in pod form. We are the Deep Geeks. I'm Mark. I'm Avery. And this is the show where we, two friends, go and look back at the catalogue of Deek Entertainment, a company that produced over 100 uh, cartoons in a kind of 30-year stretch and basically dominated uh, children's television for about 10 of them. And on this episode, we're looking at Elf, the animated series. Yes. Alf. Alf. You know, the, the, uh, oh, I described him in the intro. Um, Alien life form. Otherwise known as Gordon Shumway. Yeah. He says that's his name. Like, like, like the family knows Gordon is his name. Why do they continue calling him Alf? Racism. Oh, yeah. Well, moving Speciesism. on. Regardless, um, uh, we might as well open this the way we always open it. Avery, what do you remember growing up about Alf? None. It was it was dead by the time I was watching TV. <laughs> yeah, me too. I mean, I mean, did it even broadcast over here? I have no idea. I There's I have chance, no idea but... either. I mean, we saw a couple of episodes um, before getting on to doing this, just so we could orient ourselves on what we were going to be in for. But, yeah, I don't know. It's very much the generic kind of sitcom, fish-out-of-water sitcom that, like, gets parodied so often. Yeah, I mean, Avery was saying, well, it was quite innovative in the way that it had an alien, uh, to which I just replied, yeah, Mork and Mindy. Yeah. It's, it's, um, <laughs> it's not that original uh, the it, its gimmick is that it's a sitcom but one of the characters is a puppet and everything revolves around that character you also have to consider that for us in britain um the late 80s early 90s uh were the point at which the traditional sitcom was dying out i mean they 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 they, they definitely showed on tv here Oh, absolutely, but I mean, um, but we didn't make them. You mean? No, oh. no. I mean, I don't think they were that popular. Um, I mean, we, to be honest, uh, being British, we see anything that's uh, got any kind of kind of um, sincerity to it a bit mawkish. Yeah, that's especially true. Especially when it's comedy. Mm. Um, but I mean. Um, British series that were contemporaneous to uh, Alf would included Hello, Hello, which was a sitcom in which um, French rebels uh, against the Nazi occupation uh, did funny things. Uh, the New Statesman. Do you remember The New Statesman at all? No. Nope. That's the one in which Rick Mayle 
is Ooh, a, uh, I believe, a cabinet minister. Oh, wow. Or okay. a major politician well, I, or something. I have something new to watch. Uh, Red Dwarf, of course, mm-hmm. which sort of falls into the same genre in that it's a sci-fi sitcom. Well, I mean, it's also, that's also technically a fish-out-of-water sitcom in many different ways as well. Yeah, but um, it's... Red Dwarf takes it in a very different way. In oh, that, yes, totally. Uh, I I remember the difficulty they had in getting the BBC to buy into it um, on the basis of how can you put a sitcom in space? Where do you put the sofa? There's many places on a spaceship for a sofa. Well, Fuck yeah, you, that's what it comes down to. Yeah. You could just put them. You could put a whole bunch of sofas in. Who well, says they, it has to be just the one? Well, they went for bunks instead, well, which yeah, worked sure. perfectly. Yeah, I mean, as a, as a fish out of water sitcom, Red Dwarf's interesting in that every main character is indeed the fish out of water. I mean, you've got yeah. Lester, who's the twenty-first century guy living three million years in the future. You have Rimmer, who's coping with being a hologram, at least for the first few and seasons, and has always been the outsider. Yeah, and always been the outsider due to abusive parents and like just generally not being a very likable person um the cat cats who is the only person out of his species a evolved form <laughs> of one of the many many babies that lister's cat had um and then also Crichton, who is a old mechanoid i guess yeah Crichton's probably the only like odd one out in this case he's but i mean Crichton wasn't one of the original cast true i guess holly Holly isn't really the fish out of water. Yeah, Holly is definitely... basically living in Holly. Holly mm. is the ship's computer. Um, well, I mean, he's like rather the the subject of computer senility was the thing that was happening, wasn't it? Well, that's for true. a short while, and then they kind of like disregarded it and was like, well, "No, nah, this idea is stupid. Let's just kind of just let Holly be." Holly. Oh no, no, no! They they definitely kept it, but computer senility was just an excuse for making the incredibly intelligent computer just an idiot. Yeah, that's true. That's all that was. 6,000 IQ isn't that much. It's about the same as 6,000 traffic wardens or whatever the fuck that joke was. Go watch Red Dwarf. Red Dwarf's good. Um, we make it sound like shit because yeah. we make everything sound like shit. Go watch Red Dwarf. That's your TV recommendation. Uh, what else? Blackadder. Blackadder was around the same time. Yep, that's also another classic one. You want to explain Blackadder? Uh, Blackadder... You probably want to explain Red Dwarf as well because you have to keep in mind that... Probably most of the people who listen to us aren't British. Well, I said it was a sci-fi sitcom. Well, either way. Uh, Blackadder is a historical sitcom in which uh, Edmund Blackadder, played by... um, Rowan Atkinson. Atkinson, Otherwise known as Mr. Bean. uh, Basically is a conniving um, secondary figure in various situations. Uh, Each season is in a different time period. Mm -hmm. Uh, And... Um. Yeah, it's just conniving, and there's lots of historical jokes, and that's what it comes down to. And then at the series, and then it, Tony Robinson plays the uh, the lackey, the, his little subordinate. Yes, Baldwin. who in the first season is the only intelligent person in this group of idiots, and it gradually switches round so that Blackadder is the clever one, and uh, Baldrick is the Baldrick. Idiot. That's the one, not Baldwin. Baldrick, who always has the cunning idea. Yes, yes. But, I mean, in the first season, he actually did have cunning ideas. Well, there we go. And then it became, I have a cunning idea, and it was a terrible idea. Yeah. 
um, than Red Dwarf it is. Sci-fi sitcom. Uh, Dave Lister. The last human awakes yeah. from cryo sleep to find uh, himself stuck on a ship with the hologram of his uh, former supervisor and and bunkmate and bunkmate, uh, who is the most annoying person in the world. Uh, a ship's computer who is a ship's computer who is uh, essentially has been running so long that uh, his ability to think is being... His chips have gone a bit rusty. He's gone a bit barmy. Uh, and uh, a creature evolved from his house cat. Mm-hmm. Um, other stuff of the time were Birds of a Feather. Did you watch any of Birds of a Feather? It sounds familiar, but I've not watched it. Uh, a bit more close to the traditional sitcom, except that it was about three women. Uh, I believe their husbands were in jail. Great. And Chelmsford 123. No one remembers Chelmsford 123, but it was great. Okay. That one is about the Roman occupation of Britain with Rory McGrath as basically Ooh. a local tribal leader. Okay, I wasn't interested, but now that you've got Rory McGrath in there, I'm, I'm, I'm in, I'm in. It's good, it's good. It's um a bit me too with Blackadder, but it's... Mm. It's just fun. Okay, so, so far on this podcast about ALF, we have talked about two minutes about ALF and then five minutes about British sitcoms that we actually like. Well, we can't actually talk about ALF, the original sitcom. Yes, but I mean, it would help a lot considering this is ALF, the animated series. Um, okay, then talk about ALF. Okay, so ALF is a American sitcom. It's a pop culture icon, at least in America. And We're um, told. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't. Well, at was... one point, he was a pop culture icon, yeah. but is no longer a pop culture icon. It follows the adventures of Elf, a Melmac alien, or an alien from Melmac, rather. Um, short, fuzzy, long nose. Um, he's wise talking. He he he's sarcastic. He snaps fucking one two jokes at people, whatever. And he goes, "Ha ha! I kill me." And he kind of wish he would. But anyway. It's an okay show, I guess. I mean, it's, it's a 90s, 80s sitcom, and it yeah. shows it's the most generic 80s, 90s American sitcom you could possibly go for. It barely reached the 90s. Yeah. Um, I mean, it did reach the 90s with Project Elf, and oh, that's that, true. as far as we know, that was a mistake. <laughs> <sighs> so, yeah, that's about it for Elf. But we mostly know it for... A couple of jokes in The Simpsons. And also Monster Factory. Because I believe um, there is an elf reference made in the Monster Factory episode of... Oh, God, what was it? It was the... I mean... It it was the Soul Calibur episode, I think. I don't think I've seen that one. Oh, the Soul Calibur episode is a good one. With Melissa. So, right, yes. A quick history of Elf, the animated series. When producer Bernie Brillstein was invited to meet with the puppeteer Paul Fusco, he didn't expect to be impressed. Instead, within a few short minutes, he had found Fusco's character Elf hilarious and proposed that he become the central character of a TV series. And so in 1986, NBC premiered Elf, a sitcom in which the titular alien character crash lands on Earth after the destruction of his home planet and integrates himself into a human family. 
The show was a massive success, and so its iconic, kid-friendly central character immediately became a hot focus for merchandising, including ALF toys, ALF comics, ALF video games, and, of course, Deke Entertainment's ALF, the animated series. Created by Fusco and ALF co-creator Tom Patchett, ALF the Animated Series featured the exploits of ALF under his original Malmakian name, Gordon Shumway, including his family life and his low-level military job at the Malmakian Orbital Guard. Each episode was bookended with a section in which the live-action ELF spoke directly to the viewers, introducing and commenting upon the episodes, which were presented as anecdotes from his life on Melmac. The cartoon would be successful enough to receive its own spin-off, ELF Tales, which was broadcast alongside Season 2 of the show. This animated version of ELF would also go on to feature in the infamous animated anti-drugs PSA, Cartoon All-Stars to the Rescue. The show ran for two seasons between 1987 and 1989 for a total of 26 episodes. Falling ratings resulted in the cancellation of the main Elf series in 1990, which ended on a cliffhanger that was only partially resolved in the 1996 TV movie Project Elf. Sony optioned the rights to an Elf movie in 2012, but the project has gone dark since then. I would say that this was an interesting one, but it's not, is it? It's kind of mediocre? I would say that its existence is interesting, but the actual content itself, not so much. I mean, it's an interesting concept in that kind of like creating a backstory for Elf, but the problem is, is rather than doing something interesting like having this series be kind of like a origin story like here's how Alf got to the point that he is in in the live action show it's just a Alf and his friends getting into wacky hijinks on his home planet yeah yeah and that's kind of where the problem lies well i mean it's fine that you can do that the problem is there isn't enough focus mm. because there is the whole Alf and his friends thing but then they fight a super villain yeah there's just randomly a villain in this and i have no idea why um, yeah, I've no idea why either. It's completely unnecessary. Yeah, it doesn't need the villain. Okay, we should probably, um... Are we backtracking? Explain, yeah, let's backtrack up. Explain this. Uh, the setting is, uh, Alf is a... Is he a cadet? I guess? Private, he's a private. Oh, uh, sure. He's a private in the Orbital Guard. One of us can remember. Which I think is supposed to be a joke that he's in the equivalent of the Coast Guard, but I'm not sure. It's made somewhat weird by the fact that rather than him just being some schmuck, he is the great-grandson of some famous Orbital Guard leader, and he keeps fighting this one damn supervillain. Who is... One of the, the least effective villains we've seen in a deep cartoon thus far. Well, he's also not even interesting. Yeah. He's... I mean, he's interesting in that he appears to be human. No. Or at least he, he doesn't have the default Melmac Melmacian appearance. I think they tried to make an ugly Melmacian. Mm, I don't know. Cause, but like, they just ended up making him not Luke Melmacian. Yeah, because, I mean, like, that nose is completely off, uh, well, off model. Here's the thing about Melmacians. They're supposed to be cute ugly. Mm. and it kind of works and then they to because they can't have the villain be cute Cuddly. they've 
made him just ugly. And because they've done that, he doesn't look like a Melmachian. And mostly he's just a shouty military dude and is uninteresting and completely unnecessary. I I think these plots needed to be much closer focused. Or just do what I said and make it an origin story for the original Elf show. Well, yeah, but then you need a um, you need continuity, and you could never have that in a eighties. Uh, I don't know. I mean, like I children's know. cartoon. I would just, I would, I would like that. I would like a thing that is like everything that eventually leads up to like Elf fucking off and crashing on Earth and seeing Melmite get fucking blown up. Uh, yeah. So basically, dinosaurs. But with Melmachians. Oh, right, yeah, shit, okay. Yeah, dinosaurs ended with everyone dying. Well, I mean, that's just that's just fact. That's just reality, that. Uh, which uh, raises an issue, of course. Um, they introduced a lot of uh, Elf's family. Um, do they die? I mean, how many, how many of these people uh, in the... That's, show that's a worrying point of going to suffer a massive nuclear holocaust between now and uh, man you know it's fucked up that this really adorable series? comic show about an alien crash on earth is has that as its backstory uh yes <laughs> the 80s were on some next level shit well there was oh wait the, cocaine it was the cold war and cocaine yeah okay boy oh boy that's, yeah, wow. Ah. We should probably discuss mm. some of the characters. For the most part, the show is just a series of things to throw at Alf to make him come up with jokes, which mostly fall flat. I mean, here's the thing. Alf's jokes fall flat to begin with. The only reason why Alf's jokes even work to begin with is because there's a laugh track. This is something I noted right yeah. from the very beginning. The original Elf show has a laugh track on it, and that works. It fits in with the sitcom. But the thing is, is these animated shows, this animated show is bookended both at the start and the end by a like short clip of the puppet Elf basically doing a short little comic skit, I guess, yes, guess yes, for a short bit, just to kind of introduce the story. It's kind of like a Crypt Keeper segment. Just... Yeah, it's... But it's, like, strange because, I mean, it doesn't have any laugh track on it because it wouldn't really fit in with the rest of the show, which doesn't have the laugh track. But it should. There's no reason yeah. it doesn't. I mean, a lot of the, fact the that it old have... um, oh. Hanna-Barbera cartoons that kind of had the same feel to it, they had laugh tracks. Yeah, that's true, Stuff they like did. the Flintstones and the Jetsons. Yeah. They worked better for having laugh tracks because they were emulating sitcoms. Yeah. <laughs> Man, um, that just kind of this... makes the Flintstones even more fucking surreal if you think about it, huh? Kind of, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I don't know, because like, having no laugh track just kind of raises the point that everything Alf says is like, including the stuff that is intended to be a joke and not intended to be a joke, is just so not funny and yeah. vague. But it's, it's like you can't really tell what, like, when something is meant to be a joke unless he goes, ha, ha, I kill me at the end of it. Yeah. Which isn't as often as you'd expect. No. I mean, he sometimes just throws in a regular old ha, ha. And by the way, the way, the way Alf laughs is possibly one of the most irritating aspects about Alf. <laughs> I thought you said you liked that laugh. Uh, no. Because he just goes, ha, 
Yeah, I kill me. It's, it's a honk. It's not a laugh. It's a fucking honk. Alf honks. Yeah. And it's kind of scary because of that. Okay. Do you want some characters? I've got the characters. Sure. There's too many of them. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say that from the get-go. There's too many. Right to... All right. We'll begin with Gordon's family, who, for some reason, on the Wikipedia list for characters, aren't grouped together. So, cheers to the arsehole editor who decided to put this one together. Right. God, right. So, we have uh, Bob Shumway, Gordon's father, voiced by uh, good old Thick Wilson. Generic dad. I, I still love the name Thick Wilson. That's still Thick a Wilson great name. Thick Wilson is a good name. Uh, we have Augie Shumway, Gordon's little sister, voiced by Tabitha St. Germain. Uh, Generic little sister. Yeah. <laughs> we have uh, Curtis Shumway, Gordon's little brother, voiced by Michael Fantini. Generic little brother. There's there's a lot of archetypes going on in this. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, and then there's Flo Shumway, Gordon's mother, voiced by Peggy Mahon. She's got a bit more character to her than anyone else in here, but she's mostly just irritable uh, wife. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, and there's the dog and the bird? Were yeah, they? the bird is called Harry, and the dog is called Neep. Officially called a Vesper, for some reason. I don't get that joke. What makes it a Vesper? What, what, I don't understand. What? I, oh. Who knows? Oh, oh, God. And then we have Gordon's friends. There's Skip. There's voiced by Rob Cohen. There's Sloop, voiced by Dan Hennessy. And then there's Rick Fosterman, which is voiced by Paul Fosco. Okay, that's just Alf. That's Alf talking to himself. Um, Spudder, Curtis's Does, uh, friends. Does Fosco do the cartoon voice? Yes. Yeah. At least they got that, and of course it's. Well, I mean, he owns the character. The, so. Well, it's also created by him by the creators of the series. Yeah, which is a step up from last week. Yeah. Uh, Salah the waitress, voiced by Alan Ray Hennessy. Uh, Sergeant Staff, voiced by Len Carlson. Rhonda, Gordon's girlfriend, voiced by Tabitha Saint Germain again. Yeah, I think she eventually appears in the series. Oh, she's, in the... she appears in the first episode. No, no, as in the TV, the original. Oh, right. Okay. Uh, his his three his friends and uh, girlfriend, well, in this will be girlfriend, mm. uh, love interest. Yeah, that's the one. That's it. Uh, are characters who appear in the main thing. There mm-hmm. is a certain amount of canon continuity going on with this thing, which is interesting, but um, it just doesn't do enough with the concept, and that it does do is kind of a mess yeah i mean for example we don't really understand um melmachian culture for having seen four of these episodes no it doesn't really immerse itself into this alien world again missed opportunities in fact this alien world looks far too much like earth for somewhere that is supposed to (laughs) have point it does just look and feel like earth for somewhere that is supposed to have uh green skies and purple grass yeah i think they have just normal blue skies do they mm-hmm. nobody told the colorists 
Uh, other minor characters, we've got uh, Madame Poughkeepsie, the fortune teller, but read here as fortune smeller. I don't know why. I guess knows. I don't know. That's the joke. Voiced by Deborah Theaker. Um, We've got the main villain, Lawson Petty. Oh yeah, Lawson Petty was his name. Voiced again by Thick Wilson. So he got a double act going on. Um, Well, that's what you do when you can't uh, afford... um a decent voice cast, you yeah. start doubling and tripling up on the, anyone with any talent. Uh, then there's Larson Petty's uh, henchman, Egbert Petty, voiced by Dan Hennessy. And then there is Commander Can't Fail, voiced by Len Carlson, who is, I guess, technically the main antagonist of Alf in that uh, superior, the boss. I guess. Uh, aye, aye, aye. I guess, but... So, as ever, we watched four episodes. Yeah. Uh, the first four this time. Well, no, actually, it was the first three and then a random one. Yeah, yeah. There, there aren't that many episodes knocking around uh, on the... No, the... Uh, the the dark web. <laughs> the dark... <laughs> Google, show me dark elf. No, not dark elves. <laughs> there we go. I was going to make that joke if you weren't going to. It, it had to be there. First one is, surprisingly enough, it's an actual introductory episode. Which is nice, because a lot of these things just treat the first episode like any other episode. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called Phantom Pilot. And the plot synopsis is, An unlikely ally helps Gordon defend Melmac when the evil Larson Petty returns to invade the planet. Basically, it introduces the family, it introduces the friends, it introduces the boss, and then there's a few action scenes in which Alf ends up having to help uh, shoot down Larson Petty with the uh, with oh. the help of the Phantom Pilot, a pilot that is obviously his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. It's an alright episode. Yeah. I mean, it starts off... I mean, it, it it serves its purpose as a here's everyone kind of thing, I yeah. guess. There are too many characters, but <laughs> yeah, here's it's, everyone. It's a, bit, it's a bit much, isn't it? Um, episode two, Hair Today, Bold Tomorrow. And this is where it just starts going off the rails. After Harry uses Gordon's hair to build his nest, Gordon finds himself heading to Madame Poughkeepsie's shack for a boldness cure, only to insult her and leave her while cursed with a boldness touch. So here we have a point where if this was, well, aside from the fact that if this wasn't a show about aliens, this episode would be about a racial stereotype. Mm. Um, we have the issue that suddenly... Melmac has magic? Yeah, kind of, in the sense of Madame Poughkeepsie and I mean, there's a no curse one here. else. I mean, yeah. I mean, there is that iguana that can turn into a big boy. And, and, and I'm talking a big boy. <laughs> it's fucking huge, the bastard. That's the, the, the familiar, right? I guess. That would be the term, probably. In the other episodes we saw, no magic has involved... We've just reached episode two and we've already reached cartoon antics levels. I mean, what can we say about this episode other than the fact that Elf isn't a likeable character? No, he's not a likeable character and also it's just a very strange episode in general that seems to only serve to 
cause confusion about the rules of the universe than fix any of them. Yeah. So instead of, you know, exploring the level of technology of Melmac or the culture of Melmac, how Melmac differs to Earth, we have a fortune teller and a curse. Mm-hmm. Episode three. Two for the brig. Gordon and Sergeant Staff end up going to prison after mistaking their ship for a vacation cruise liner. That's not right. That's incorrect. That's completely That's incorrect. Completely correct. Um, That's not how the episode goes at all. Well done, the person who edited Wikipedia. That's not what happens. In, I'll tell you what happens. In Two for the Brig, General Staff's car is buggered up to shit, right? He ends up crashing into the entrance, taking along Elf and his cohorts with him. Uh, Lieutenant What's-His-Face goes, Oh, we've got a new engine coming in. You mustn't tell anyone about it. You must keep it safe and stuff. So, of course, he leaves it with Alf, who are currently fixing his car. And they put the new engine into the car. General Staff sells the car to some other fucker. And uh, I don't really... Um, don't care. Yeah, they <laughs> really don't care. Basically, this... a top-secret experimental engine is put into an old car, which is sold, and they have to track down the car. And for some reason, Alf gets put in, in the brig, despite telling the truth about how what happened to the engine. Uh, I don't get it. I just don't care. <laughs> it's just... It's, it's so hard to care about this show, because there's just things happening for no real good reason. Yeah. And that's pretty much how one can sum up this show. And the scope's far too large, again. Yeah. Uh, I mean, had this been some kind of small-scale hijinks, it could have worked. Instead, they escape from prison, and then they go basically across the country to several weird dive bars, and then invade um, Larson Petty's headquarters to get the thing back. That's... It... It just doesn't make enough sense. No. And it's too large. And the fact that uh, Gordon keeps managing to do these things in which uh, he sh- he is somehow this great hero plays against the fact that his the whole point of his character is he's just some schlub. Mm. The fourth episode we watched was actually episode five. So good job, Oz. Uh, called Birdman of Melmac. Well, you saw the words Birdman of Melmac and immediately demanded to watch that one. Well, yes, because of course I would want to watch a fucking episode called Birdman of Melmac. That's an amazing name. This is one about overzealous conservation. Yeah, I guess. It seems to be like some kind of communicating some kind of weird message (laughs) through it. I don't know. Uh, The Shumway's pet bird, Harry, is an extinct species and dubbed to be protected for reintroduction, but this comes as a severe disruption of the Shumway residence, and Harry is letting the fame and power go to his head. That was actually pretty accurate. Um... This doesn't work. And yet, it's probably the best episode we've got here structurally. Yeah. I mean, it's this story of just these uh, conservationists basically taking over their home, all for the sake of the their The Shumway pets. household. Yeah. All for the sake of protecting this bird who is letting all the attention go to its head. Yeah. Um... I mean, in the end, it turns out the bird isn't endangered at all and has family albums full of huge family reunions. Yeah. But it's mostly a comedy of escalation uh, in a basic household setting, which, without a huge 
world uh, saving thing going on or a completely confusing element we learn a bit more about melmac culture with this one because of course we, we they have their own uh, scouts uh, that save the ornithologists yeah in this place and conservation laws are evidently extremely um dictatorial mm-hmm. um so this actually lives up far more to the promise than any other episodes yeah yeah i mean it's 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 executed quite well but the rest of it not so much I mean, I mean, it also doesn't work functionally because if you're going to um, protect a single animal for breeding, you'd either want to uh, remove it from the family house or, well, you can't breed a single bird. So if this one's the last it depends of its kind, if the bird then it's a bit irrelevant. I mean, if the bird could reproduce asexually, you don't know. Well, that's true, but this is never... Um, well, yeah, they're not going to go into the nitty-gritty details about it. It's a kid's cartoon, mate. What did you expect? So with that in mind, and looking at what did and didn't work, how would we redo this in 2018? I mean, I've already stated my uh, my solution for this, and that is just make it a direct prequel and actually show the events that led up to Elf crashing, landing on Earth. Yes, I mean, that could work. would make for a far more interesting show, I think. It'd be pretty dark. A bit, but, I mean, but hey, again, there's been I mean, title things that have been, like, really, like, happy and joyful, and then had a dark prequel thing, or spin-off. Yeah, it'd, I mean, it'd also very much work in the flavours involved in modern cartoons, really. And also, you could also compare it to, say, like, for example, uh, The Simpsons. Because The Simpsons is generally this like fairly happy-go-lucky family sitcom kind of thing, and then you get to the Halloween episodes, and it turns into like <laughs> most bloody, gory, like just horror fest possible. Well, I, I mean, I, I, I don't like Treehouse of Horror episodes for that exact enough. reason. I just think they go a bit overkill for it. Ha! <laughs> Funny. Um, I mean, there's a lot more room for nuance in. Uh what emotions you can display in a cartoon these days i mean oh yeah uh, the the first season of steven universe for example there's a lot of loneliness underlying in that show mm. um you could do the same with a kind of honestly balancing the hopelessness of melmac situation I mean, with the potential hope of evacuation i mean i don't know if you were specifically going for a kid's cartoon now or just cartoons in general well i mean if you're going for cartoons in general bojack horseman uh yeah bojack horseman is about despair really fucking accurate despair i was thinking about season four last night again and that's not a good place to be in <laughs> no. when you're trying to sleep no that really isn't um Alternatively, I mean, we're far enough away from the original Elf that if you were to make an Elf animated series, you could just remake Elf. Yeah, you could just redo the entire Elf canon. Um, and considering America, uh, the state of America at the moment, and the fact that Elf is basically a refugee, mm. there is a lot to work with about the immigrant experience at the moment. Yeah, but I mean, at the same time, I'm not too sure it would be great to kind of correlate that with a funny, silly, lovable, talking fairy puppet. Um, 
Because I feel that would probably be seen as making light of the situation. Perhaps, but in some cases you have to make light of situations, otherwise um, things well, get to you. Yeah, and also, I guess. making a lovable refugee character is uh, a long tradition of that. Yeah, but that also just kind of makes me think of equally like racist jokes more than anything else. I was thinking more Superman. Oh, uh, yeah, I guess. Superman uh, is about the immigrant experience. It's about being the alien in hiding, uh, the illegal immigrant to uh, the country that you love. I mean, uh, mostly it's about I the don't know. Jewish experience in the 1930s. I mean, really, I think, if anything, you need to be... Like, if you're going to do that with Elf, then it would probably work best as a comic. You need yes. nuance and tact for yeah. this to work. And I don't think it would work as a cartoon. Not with Alf. Like, with things like with Bojack, it works a bit more because these characters are established as just despair-filled from the get-go, whereas Alf is this happy-go-lucky, silly, goofy guy that crash-landed from an alien planet and is otherwise, like, not a horror-filled creature and is seems to be weirdly relatively okay with the fact that his home planet has been blown up to smithereens. Uh, he's dealt with that. Yeah. He's on to new things. <laughs> I mean, Earth culture, there you go. But, yeah, I don't know, like... I like your idea, but I feel it needs a lot of more work before you could even go anywhere with it. Yeah, it's a bit like um, that DC Comics reboot of the Flintstones recently. Oh god, wow, yes, that's a very good likeness. That, wow. In fact, that, yes. yes, just just do that. Do that Elf. <laughs> yeah, Elf. That would be very good. Uh, if you don't know, um, DC Comics for a couple of years had a Flintstones comic that instead of being like the Flintstones kind of reconstructed it with Fred essentially being uh, a disgruntled veteran in a society much like America but bedrock. I mean, it's, it took the fact that, aha, it's modern society, but prehistoric, and saw modern society is fucked. Yeah. Let's make that prehistoric. <laughs> It's a good bit of satire. And a depressing bit of satire. Yeah, I was going to say. So yeah, you could do that with Elf. Yeah, probably. Is this better or worse than Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling? Better. Is this better or worse than Heathcliff? Hmm. I'm going to say no. Because as crap as Heathcliff was, we had stuff to say about it. It is not painless, painfully generic as fucking alpha animated. What is above Heathcliff? Dinosaurs, which it is most definitely not better than. No. Yeah, you think you're right. It's just below Heathcliff, isn't it? Yep. In at number 17 on the ranking list, it's Alf. The animated series. So I think that's it for this episode. Indeed it is. Um, if you enjoyed listening to this episode, then tell your friends, tell your family, tell anyone who takes any remote interest in cartoons, because why the fuck not? And rank us on, well, rate us on iTunes. <laughs> rank us on iTunes. <laughs> rank us on iTunes. <laughs> Where would you rank us on iTunes? I would say seven. <laughs> on all the iTunes. On all of the iTunes. 
Oh, boy. Rate us on Apple Podcasts. You can also subscribe to us if you've not done that. You can do that through the RSS feed that we provide a link on the site, or you can do it through iTunes and Google Play Podcasts if you have access to that. That site is mostlycobolds.com. That's mostlycobolds.com. And finally, I fixed it so that if you go to www.mostlycobolds.com, that'll take you straight to mostlycobolds.com. Good. Just good. in case you're stuck in the 90s like we seem to be. <laughs> oh boy, oh boy. Right. What's next week? Well, next week, it's going to be a weird one. You know what I mean, Vern? <laughs> And that is Elf the Animated Series. So, what do we make of this one? Why, yes, chair standing in for the lack of Avery. <laughs> this is a silly show. <laughs> I reckon that chair would probably have more interesting views than me. <laughs> That bad, eh?